Section five of Rackety Packety House and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rackety Packety House and Other Stories by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Surly Tim, Part Two. Tim, she'd say, this is only the school, and we're the scholars, and he's teaching us his way. We may not be like the children o' Israel i' the wilderness, and turn away from the cross cause of the sarpent. We may not say, there's a snake. We mun say, there's the cross, and the Lord's gear to us. The teacher wouldn't be a much use to him if the scholars knew as much as he did, and I always think it's the best to comfort my sin with saying, the Lord Almighty, he knows. And she allus comforted me, too, when I were worried. Life looked smooth somehow them three year. Happen the Lord sent him to me to make up for what were coming. At the end of the first year, the child were born, the little lad here, touching the turf with his hand. We Watty, his mother called him, and he were a fine, lightsome little chap. He filled the whole house with music, day in and day out, crowing and crowing, and crying too sometime. But if ever you're a feather, mister, you'll find out at a baby's cries music often enough, and you'll find too, if you ever lose one, that you give all you'd gettin' just to hear even the worst of crying. Rosanna, she couldn't find it ear her heart to set the little one out of her arms a minute and she'd go about the room with her eyes all lidded up and her face bloomin' like a slip o' a girl's, and if she laid him ill a cradle her head would be turned o'er her shoulder all the time lookin' at him and singin' bits of sweet-soundin' foolish women-folks songs. I thought then at them old nursery songs were the happiest music I ever heard, and when Santa sung em they minded me of hymn-tunes. Well, mister, before the spring were out, we what was toddling round holding to his mother's gown and by the middle of next year he was cooing like a dove and prattling words a voice like hers his eyes were big and brown and straightforward like hers and his mouth was like hers and his curls were the color o a brown bee's back happened we set too much store by him or happened it were only the teacher again teaching us his way but howsoever that were i came home one sunny morning from the factory and my dear lass met me at the door all white and cold but trying hard to be brave and help me to bear what she had to tell tim said she the lord has sent us a trouble but we can bear it together can we dear lad that were all but i knew what it meant though the poor little lamb had been well enough when i kissed him last i went in and saw him lying there on his pillows struggling and gasping in hard convulsions and i seed all was over and in half an hour, just as the sun crept across the room and touched his curls, the pretty little chap opens his eyes all at once. Daddy, he crows out. Sit he, Daddy. And he lifts himself up and catches at the floating sunshine, laughs at it, and falls back dead, mister. I've always thought at the Lord Almighty knew what he were doing when he gave the woman to Adam in the Garden of Eden. He knowed he were not but a poor chap, as could not do for his'n, 
and I suppose that's the reason he give the woman the strength to bear trouble when it come. I'd a gin clean in if it hadn't been for my lass when the little chap deed. I never tackled out i all my days that hurt me as heavy as losin him did. I could na a bear the sight o his cradle, and if ever I come across any of his bits of playthings, I'd fart a cryin and shakin like a baby. I kept out of the way of the neighbor's children even. I was not like Rosanna. I could not see quite clear what the Lord meant, and I could not help murmuring sad and heavy. That's just like us men, mister, just as if the dear wench as had given him her life of food day and neat had no fur the best read of the two to be weak and heavy-hearted. But I gettin' welly over it at last, and we was beginning to come round a bit and look forward to the time when we'll see him again instead of looking back to the time we shut the round bit of a face under the coffin lid the day come when we could bear to talk about him and mind things he'd said and tried to say in his broken baby ways and so we were creeping back again to the old happy quiet and we had been welly six month when summat fresh come i'll never forget it mister the neat it happened i'd kissed rosanna at the door and left her standing there when I went up to the village to buy summat she wanted, it were a bright moonlight neat, just such a neat as this, and the lass had followed me out to see the moonshine. It was so bright and clear, and just before I starts, she folds both her hands on my shoulder, and says, soft and thoughtful, Tim, I wonder if the little chap sees us. I'd like to know, dear lass, I answers back, and then she speaks again, Tim. I wonder if he'd know he was ours, if he could see, or if he'd have forgot. He was such a little fellow. Them were the last peaceful words I ever heard her speak. I went up to the village and gettin what she sent me fur, and then I come back. The moon was shining as bright as ever, and the flowers ere a little slip of garden were a sparklin' with dew. I seed em as I went up the walk, and I thought again of what she'd said about the little lad. She was not outside, and I could not see a leak about the house, but I heard voices, so I walked straight in, into the entry, into the kitchen, and there she were, mister, my poor wench, crouching down by the table, hiding her face ere her hands, and close beside her were a mon, a mon in red soldier clothes. My heart leaped into my throat, and for a minute I had not a word, for I saw some wit up though I could not tell what it were, but at last my voice came back. Good evening, mister, I says to him. I hope you had not brought an ill news. What ails thee, dear lass? She stirs a little and gives a moan like a dying child, and then she lifts up her wan, broken-hearted face and stretches out both her hands to me. Tim, she says, do not hate me, lad, do not. I thought he were dead long sin. I thought at the Russians killed him and I were free, but I am not. I never were. He never deed, Tim, and there he is, the mon as I were wed to and left by. God forgive, oh, and oh, God forgive me. There, mister, there's a story for thee. What dost thou think o't? My poor lass was not my wife at all. The little chap's mother was not his father's wife, and never had been. That there worthless fellow as beat and starved her and left her to fight the world alone had come back alive and well, ready to begin again. He could take her away from me at any hour of the day, and I could not say a word to bar him. The law said my wife, 
the little dead lad's mother belonged to him body and soul there was no law to help us it were awe on his side there no use going o'er all we said to each other in that dark room there i raved and prayed and pled with the lass to let me carry her across the seas where i'd heerd there were help for such like but she pled back er, a broken patient way that it would not be reet and happen it were the lord's will she didna say much to the soldier i scarce heerd her speak to him more than once when she axed him to let her go away by her sin the canna want me now phil she said the canna care for me thou must know i'm more this mon's wife than thine but i do not ax thee to give me to him because i know thou would not be reet i only ax thee to let me alone i'll go fur enough off and never see him more but the villain held to her if she did not come wi him he said he had her up afore the court for bigamy i could ha done murder then mister and i would ha done it had not been for the last runnin in betwixt us and pleadin with all her might if we'd been rich folk there might have been some help for her at least the law might have been brought to make him leave her be but bein poor workin folk there were only one thing the wife mun go with a husband and there the husband stood a scoundrel cursin with his black heart on his tongue well says the lass at last fair wearied out with grief i'll go with thee phil and i'll do my best to please thee but i will not promise to forget the mon has been true to me and has stood betwixt me and the world and then she turned round to me tim she said to me as if she were half feared i feared o him and me standin by three hours afore the lord had let me mill any mon at feared her tim she says surely he would not refuse to let us go together to the little lad's grave for the last time she did not speak to him but to me and she spoke still and strained as if she were too heartbroke to be wild her face was as white as the dead but she did not cry as any other woman would have done come tim she said he conna say no to that and so out we went without another word and left the black-hearted rascal behind sitting in the very room the little undeed in his cradle stood there in the corner we went out into the moonlight without speaking and we did not say a word until we come to this very place mister we stood here for a minute silent and then i sees her begin to shake and she throws her sin down on the grass where arms flung o'er the grave and she cries out as if her death wound had been given to her little lad she says little lad dost thou see thy mother canst not thou hear her callin thee little lad get nigh to the throne and plead i fell down beside o the poor crushed wench and sobbed with her i could not comfort her for where would there any comfort for us there were none left there were no hope we were shamed and broke down our lives was lost the past were not the future were worse oh my poor lass how hard she tried to pray for me mister yes for me as she lay there with her arms round her dead baby's grave and her cheek on the grass as grew o'er his breast lord god almighty she says help us do not give us up do not do not we cannot do without thee now if the time ever were when we could the little chap must be with thee 
I might the bit of comfort about gathering the lambs i his bosom. And Lord, if I could spare him a minute, send him down to us with a bit of leet. Oh, Father, help the poor lad here, help him. Let the weight fall on me, not on him. Just help the poor lad to bear it. If ever I did out as were worthy of thy sight, let that be my reward, dear Lord Almighty. I'd be willing to give up a bit of my own heavenly glory for the dear lad's sake. Well, Mister, she lay there on the grass, praying and crying, wild but gentle, for nigh half an hour, and then it seemed as she got quiet like, and she got up. Happen the Lord had hearkened and sent the child, happen he had, for when she gotten up, her face looked to me all white and shining in the clear moonlight. Sit down by me, dear lad, she said, and hold my hand a minute. I sat down and took hold her hand as she bid me. Tim, she said, this were why the little chap deed. Dost now thou see now at the Lord knew best? Yes, lass, I answers humble, and lays my face on her hand, breaking down again. Hush, dear lad, she whispers, we had not time for that. I want to talk to thee. Will to listen? Yes, wife, I says, and I heard her sob when I said it, but she catches her sin up again. I want thee to make me a promise, said she. I want thee to promise never to forget what peace we ha had. I want thee to remember it allus, and to mind him at stead, and let his little hand hold thee back fro sin and hard thoughts. I pray for thee need and day, Tim, and thou shalt pray for me, and happen they'll come a leet. But if there do not, dear lad, and I do not see how there could, if there do not, and we never see each other again, I want thee to make me a promise that if thou sees the little chap first, thou'lt mind him o' me, and watch out wi' him nigh the gate, and I'll promise thee that if I see him first, I'll mind him o' thee, and watch out true and constant. I promised her, mister, as you can guess, and we kneeled down and kissed the grass, and she took a bit of the sod to put in her bosom, and then we stood up and looked at each other, and at last she put her dear face on my breast and kissed me as she had done every neat since we were mon and wife Good-bye dear lad she whispers her voice all broken Don't come back to the house till I'm gone Good-bye dear dear lad and God bless thee and she slipped out of my arms and were gone in a moment almost before I could cry out There is not much more to tell mister the end's coming now and happen it'll shorten off the story so it it seems sudden to thee but it were not sudden to me i lived alone here and worked and minded my own business and answered no questions for nigh about a year here and out and seeing out and hoping out and till one time when the daisies were blowing on the little grave here there come to me a letter from manchester from one of the medical chaps at the hospital it were a short letter with print on it and the moment I seed it, I knowed some it were up, and I opened it trembling. Mister, there were a woman lying in one of the wards, dying of some long-named heart disease, and she prayed him to send for me, and one of the young soft-hearted ones had written me a line to let me know. I started almost before I finished reading the letter, and when I get into the place, I fun just what I knowed I should. I fun her, my wife, the blessed lass, and if it had been an hour later, I would not have seen her alive, for she were nigh past knowing me then. 
but I knelt down by the bedside and I plead where as she lay there until I brought her back to the world again for one moment her eyes flew wide open all at once and she seed me and smiled her dear face quivering to death dear lad she whispered the path was not so long after all the Lord knew he trod it hisn't once you know I knowed that come I prayed so I've reached the very inn now Tim and I shall see the little lad first but I would not forget my promise no I'll look out for thee for thee at the gate and her eyes shut slow and quiet and I knowed she was dead there mr. Doncaster there it all is for there she lies under the daisies close by her child for I brought her here and buried her the fellow has come betwixt us and tortured her for a while and then left her again I found out and she was so feared of doing some harm that she would not come nigh me it were heart disease has killed her the medical chap said but I knowed better it were heartbreak that's all sometimes I think o'er it till I conna stand it any longer and then I'm fain to come here and lay my hand on the grass and sometimes I had queer dreams about her I had one last neat I thought as she'd come to me all at once just as she used to look only with her white face shining like a star and she says Tim the path is not so long after all thus come nigh to the end and me and the little chap is waiting he knows thee dear lad for I've taught him that's why I come here to need mister and I believe that's why I've talked so free to thee if I'm near the end I'd like someone to know I have meant no hurt when I seem grum and surly it were not ill will but a heavy heart he stopped there and his head drooped upon his hands again and for a minute or so there was another dead silence such a story as this needed no comment I could make none it seemed to me that the poor fellow's sore heart could bear none at length he rose from the turf and stood up looking out over the graves into the soft light beyond with a strange wistful sadness well I mun go now he said slowly good neat mister good neat and thank you for listening good night I returned adding in an impulse of pity that was almost a passion and God help you thank you again mister he said and then turned away and as I sat pondering I watched his heavy drooping figure threading its way among the dark mounds and white marble and under the shadowy trees and out into the path beyond I did not sleep well that night the strained heavy tones of a man's voice were in my ears and the homely yet tragic story seemed to weave itself into all my thoughts and keep me from rest I could not get it out of my mind in consequence of this sleeplessness I was later than usual in going down to the factory and when I arrived at the gates I found an unusual bustle there something out of the ordinary routine had plainly occurred for the whole place was in confusion there was a crowd of hands grouped around one corner of the yard and as I came in a man ran against me and showed me a terribly pale face I ax pardon mr. Doncaster he said in a wild hurry but there's an accident happened one of the weavers is hurt bad and I'm going for the doctor the loom caught and crushed him afore we could stop it for some reason or other my heart misgave me that very moment 
I pushed forward to the group in the yard corner and made my way through it a man was lying on a pile of coats in the middle of the bystanders a poor fellow crushed and torn and bruised but lying quite quiet now only for an occasional little moan that was scarcely more than a quick gasp for breath it was surly tim he's nigh the end of it now said one of the hands pityingly he's nigh the last now poor chap what's that he's sailing lads for all at once some flickering sense seemed to have caught at one of the speaker's words and the wounded man stirred murmuring faintly but not to the watchers ah no to something far far beyond their feeble human sight to something in the broad without the end he said ay this is the end dear lass and the paths are shinin or summit and why lass i can see thee plain and the little chap too another flutter of the breath one slight movement of the mangled hand and i bent down closer to the poor fellow closer because my eyes were so dimmed that i could not see lads i said aloud a few seconds later you can do no more for him his pain is over for with a sudden glow of light which shone upon the shortened path and the waiting figures of his child and its mother surly tim's earthly trouble had ended end of section five